I believe you have a podcast playing any minute now at the Pussy Flick Theater. What is the title? Diabolical. Diabolical Podcast. And, and tell us, Linda, what is the most diabolical thing you've ever done? Well, sir, it was recorded especially for me because I'm a bit of an expositionist. You're an expositionist? Do you mean exhibitionist? No, I mean expositionist. It means I spoil things. Oh, oh I see. And uh, how, how does it make you feel when you spoil something? Oh, it makes me want to come. Oh, you want to come? Well, while you're coming, uh, let's listen to this podcast. This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films most dastardly schemes, then compete to improve them. I'm your host, Gaz, and this week's movie is Brian De Palma's Grotty Deasy of the feature Body Double. So, Peril Pals, avoid any and all confined spaces, polish your telescope, because it's Monday, you know what that means! Let's get diabolical! Hello, and welcome to this week's pod, wherein I and my three friends comprise the panel of peril, who will compete at the show's close to see who can improve the villainous plan of the week the best to win points for the leaderboard in the show's competitive round. But first, if you would introduce yourselves and tell me in what circumstance you would see fit to employ your own body double. Let's begin with Ben. Hi, Ben here. And I got in trouble in uni for some drunken shenanigans. (laughs) And I was actually thrown out of my dormitory. In the meeting with campus services, I tried to blame the trouble on my twin brother, (laughs) but was called a liar. So I would take my body double with me back to Liverpool and demand an apology from the campus services officer who besmirched me. Slash knew I was full of bullshit. (laughs) Cinemaster. Well, imagine this scenario. Imagine there was someone who says to you, can you do this thing and I'll give you this much money? And you go like, yeah, sure, but I want a bit more money just in case something happens to me. And then they say, yeah, okay, sure, but we have to film it too. And then you say, well, yeah, seeing as you give me that extra money, I'll do it. I'm happy for it to be filmed too, so thanks. But then when you do it, you're scared or you realise you're going to be possibly hurt or possibly die. And so you say to them, can we get someone else in who's possibly the same size as me, roughly the same shape, has a passing resemblance if you squint a bit. And they say, okay, we'll get someone in who looks a bit like you and isn't scared, but you'll have to give some of that money back. And you say to them, No, it's mine, and I licked it, so it's got my germs on it. Do you want money covered in my germs? And they just say, no, keep it. (laughs) Perfect. Sorry, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) So what what was the circumstance? You lost me. Uh, Stuntman. Ah. (laughs) Craig. (laughs) All right, Craig here. The real-life circumstance in which I would use a body double is just queuing for stuff at Alton Towers. (laughs) You you queue while I go and do the do and then i'll come and slip in <laughs> real nice suitably perverted for this film <laughs> and the circumstance that i would employ body double is 
Oh, I'd just take up smoking again. But the smoke would only damage the body double's lungs and not my own. <laughs> oh, <laughs> delicious cigarettes, man. Yeah. Any kids out there, smoking is great. Just do it. Like that smoking device on Brass Eye. <laughs> you smoke through the animal. <laughs> it's more like a, a smoking version of the picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Body Double was released in 1984 in the middle of an amazing run of films from Brian De Palma. Telling the twisted neo-noir tale of a jobbing actor who is set up to be an alibi for a robbery which becomes a murder, constructed by a convenient new friend, centred on the theme of voyeurism, which it pulls no punches on. Gazing at unknowing members of the opposite sex, stalking in broad daylight, hardcore pornography, and Frankie goes to Hollywood. It's a trashy spectacle that in lesser hands would be just trash, but De Palma's craft and wit make Body Double a minor classic of suspense in the mode of Alfred Hitchcock. It would, however, be a box office disappointment, earning just 8.8 million in ticket sales. Sacrilege. (laughs) But what did you three think of the movie? Let's begin with Craig. Well, I am a big fan of Brian De Palma generally, as you know. And I think Body Double is one of the most unique and brilliant films of his oeuvre. And just the thriller slash slasher slash titillating erotica that I've ever seen. I just think... uh, It's very niche. It's very niche, but that's one of the things I love about it. He gets pigeonholed a lot for various things like shock value or copying Hitch. And there are definitely elements of influence that are very obvious, like Rear Window, Vertigo, even Psycho in this. But he doesn't copy those things. He takes the knowledge of those, but puts his own spin on them. But knowingly, there's so many weird fucking moments in this. He does a thing in this that he does in in Blowout as well, which is starting it as if you're watching a shit B-movie horror film. (laughs) (laughs) The old switcheroo. Yeah. Which I love. Completely. The title's dripping blood. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got the beautiful cinematography in this. I know that he wanted it to show off the beauty of women. Same thing happens in Blowout as well. The change in the look and feel is such a jarring thing that it kind of elevates the quality of the rest of the movie. But beyond that, I just think it's such a fun story. It's so kind of silly, but it's absolutely like irresistible. It's just, just a lot of fun. Good stuff. Let's go for Ben. I found this film a bit dull, to be honest. <laughs> for some reason, I just couldn't jive with it. I mean, it looked great, and it had like the suspense you expect from De Palma. And then, like Craig says, there were some really funny moments. But then I guessed it was Greg Henry quite early on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very obvious. You see, it's his distinctive eyes. I think in... Like it's a close up on his eyes in like the murder scene. It's just like it confirms it. And so then I found myself tuning out a little bit. But I think my biggest issue was Jake. I could just not engage with him as a character. He started out as such a wet lettuce that when he uh, eventually develops some agency, <laughs> I didn't care about him. Comes very late in the game, doesn't it? Uh, so yeah. overall, I give it an if you're into mysteries, boobs, 80s hairdos, and mildly irritating lead characters, then this movie is for you out of five. 
I don't think it's meant to be a mystery that the Indian is is Greg Henry. I think the reveal of him pulling the mask off is meant to be funny because you're like, mm. yeah, obviously. There's a, a similar thing in uh, Dress to Kill, isn't there, where it's blindingly obvious yeah. who the killer is in that. Right. I think that's De Palma playing games with the audience, like winking, like, yeah. I know that you know. With so I've made it so that yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe that went over my head because it was a first watch and maybe I took it too straight. Yeah, watch Dress to Kill too, and you'll see what, what Gaz's talking about in that. It's very much played for laughs that moment. I'm positive of it. <laughs> and Cinemaster. Yeah, I'd probably echo a fair bit of what Ben said, but there's a lot to like in there. It's 80s nostalgia again. The cinematography is fantastic. I'd say the performances, bar Melanie Griffith, are pretty low rent, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't taken by any of them, really, apart from her. It's that point in the movie where it all turns on its head, where Holly Johnson comes out and you just go, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? And all of a sudden, he goes from being this loser to this Casanova, man in control <laughs> and stuff like that. And I did enjoy it. I enjoyed watching the whole thing. But like you say, maybe, maybe he's he's made it as like a tongue-in-cheek tribute to Hitchcock, but done in a way that it's really bad. It, it kept reminding me of like a Columbo episode. <laughs> and I thought, and I just thought this is this is um this is movie Columbo basically, apart from without the charming acting of Peter Falk. So um yeah, it's it's a it's a lesser movie for not having him in it, but there's a lot to love in it, and <laughs> yeah, it's batshit crazy. I was watching it, but then I was pausing it and looking at stuff on my phone to do the movie throughout because I was really interested in it. So yeah, I did I did really enjoy it, but it's it's not one of those films I think I'll re- revisit that often. Hmm. Interesting. I'm quite a recent convert to De Palma myself to the point where. I think he might be my favourite director. <laughs> yeah. His, wow. his catalogue is just banger after banger after banger. No misses. Yeah. And Body Double is is very high at the top of my, my chart for favourite De Palma films. I just think, yeah. like Craig said, there's some absolutely wild choices in this. The, the fake vampire <laughs> beginning and how yeah. how lurid just the costume is with the, the red lipstick and the eyeshadow. Yeah. The bleach blonde hair. Like a prototype of Spike, yeah. Yeah. The fact that we go into Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Paul's music video. I absolutely loved that bit. It's so good. It's just absolute madness. And I think despite saying it's obvious that Greg Henry is the Indian, I think the plot's really, really good. The the reveal of how Jake has been set up as an alibi Uh, utilizing a porn star as a body yeah. double yeah. in the apartment. <laughs> I think it's insane, but it's really, yeah. it's really well plotted. Obviously, there's a, a massive Deus Ex Machina that he happens to be watching porn on TV to find Melanie Griffith's character and put the pieces together. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I love it. The, the music, the chase music, whenever the Indian appears, and it's just like, then. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. the music is amazing. <laughs> the the yeah. music for the, the voyeurism scene is amazing. Yeah. The rattle yeah. stuck in my head. God. It's really stuck in my head, that music, yeah. Sexy rattle. Oh, yeah. So funny. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I, I would also recommend to uh, Peril Pals, if, you, if you're watching along with the films before the podcast comes out and you liked Body Double, like uh, myself and Craig said, Dress to Kill should be your next port of call. Um, and then mm. probably blow out. Yeah. And then the obvious ones like Scarface and the Untouchables and Mission and Impossible. Uh, yeah, Mission yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. If you've only seen the Mission Impossible sequels, the first one's so different and, and it's real classy, kind of uh, in some ways a throwback, but in some ways very modern spy thriller. Mm. Uh, and it also has some weird shit in it. So yeah, it has a lot of Tom Cruise perving on naked women with telescopes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, again a very, very twisty, turny, mad plot in the original Mission Impossible, isn't it? You're never quite yeah. sure who's on what side. Double crosses, yeah. triple crosses. Yeah, it's a good one. Very different to what the series became. Yeah. So, shall we move on to our favourite moments or sequences? I'd say so. <laughs> Who hasn't begun yet? The Cinemaster. Yeah, it's easily my favorite bit is Holly Johnson appearing. Yeah. And I was like, is it actually him? And I thought it must be because um, obviously the film represents a certain sexually charged nature and stuff like that. And it is like a commentary that at that time, because I guess it was another like another sexual revolution, wasn't it, for, for different reasons. And then obviously De Palma using this like CD sort of porn uh, background to it all. And I just thought that was brilliant. And I just loved it, even though it was just like, crazy it was just one of the most unique experiences i've ever had watching a film i'd say yeah it it just blew my head off um i absolutely love that bit yeah so it was definitely definitely that bit was my favorite but and it's the whole the whole film turns on its head there yeah and and it just it's yeah it was really great what i wrote is forget holly buddy here's holly johnson is the real yeah. Holly does Hollywood. Because yeah. apparently Holly does Hollywood does not feature any sex scenes involving Holly Buddy. In the trailer for Holly does Hollywood, there's mm. a few couples having sex. None of them are her. Mm. <laughs> Holly doesn't <laughs> do anybody. <laughs> That's a catchy title. My note for that bit was Holly Johnson, exclamation mark, we're through the looking glass. <laughs> Speaking of the looking glass, my favourite part of that sequence is when Jake goes through the door to Holly's dressing room and it swings open and you get a glimpse of her from behind and it swings back again and uh, she's in the mirror then and then you see the crew in the mirror as it swings over. Oh yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's fucking great. That's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you're on the mic, Craig, what's one of your favourite moments? Well, I'd say my second favourite sequence after that is the murder, especially because like Psycho, you don't actually see anything, but the thought of this comically large construction drill <laughs> killing somebody yeah. is, you can't wait to see it. And then what you do get, I think is perfect, which is the drill coming through the ceiling, caked in <laughs> thick blood. Multiple times. Yeah, yeah. multiple times. Uh, Thrusting, as it were. Yeah. And he's moving it so slowly, and eventually it comes out of the plug. Oh, he's getting a bit closer. He's very... Oh, he's coming out. It's fantastic. Oh. And, and in the meantime, Jake's getting horribly mauled by that dog, which uh, <laughs> yeah. is another deus ex machina there, the dog uh, turning on its master at the end. And um, <laughs> yeah. it's the same dog, isn't it? From um, It's Thor from Lost Boys, isn't it? 
got to be. Is it? How is it? It's got to be. Yeah, it's just, it's only three years apart from um, Lost Boys, so I was thinking it's got to be Thor. We'll have to Google it, and we'll find some mm. pictures of that dog mm. sitting on a lilo, smoking a fag yeah. in its Hollywood <laughs> residence. <laughs> and Ben, my most entertaining part was probably the worst tail job in history. Where Jake's tailing the real Gloria. God, the yes. But like a foot behind her. Yeah. Two paces behind her. It keeps just going, oh, just have a look at some knickers. Yeah. Yeah, but she's very into it, isn't she? You know, when, when he catches her up and he says, somebody's following you, she's like, I know. And he's like, oh, no, not me. But then like yeah. two seconds later, they're basically fucking. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Did you want to get freaky in a tunnel by the beach? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> that moment's so ridiculous as well with the camera going round and round. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Dizzying. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's just brilliant. It's just absolutely crazy. I'm presuming that's just like a rear projection. Yeah. Presumably. They're just stood still and it's, yeah, the camera spinning on it. That's what I assumed, yeah. Good shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised, I've got to say. I thought Turner's favourite moment would be the boob at the end. <laughs> oh, credit boobage yeah, yeah. That's a very nice one how many, how many times did you replay that Turner? Uh, oh no there's the, there's the internet for things like that these days you know the what <laughs> one thing I will say about that tail scene the mall scene is you get a great sense of geography in it you know you always know where they are considering it's this big sprawling multi-level mall it's really well directed yeah that you get that, that sort of Static big pull backwards, don't you? As they get yes. the escalators, right? Yeah, which is very, very nicely done. Features in in quite a lot of his films are slow track backwards to to give you the full scale of where people are heading. Yeah. Well, everybody's had my favourite sequences so far, so I'm just going to say, right near the start, after Vampire's kiss breaks for the day, or Jake is fired, Jake jumps in his car, and instantly you get. A wonderfully obvious rear projection shot of him driving his car, just like in an old Hollywood style yeah. film. He's, yeah. he's just yeah. clearly sat, unmoving, like the cinemaster is miming, just moving his hands madly. <laughs> yeah. um, Classic Hitchcock style. Frantically turn left and right to stay straight. <laughs> yeah. I think beyond the vampire's kiss, fake out opening, that rear projection shot really clues you into the kind of film that you're going to be getting. Yeah. The film that kind of plays with the history of filmmaking somewhat to mm. to titillate, titivate, and amuse the audience. Yeah. <laughs> so shall we move on to favourite lines of dialogue? And we'll begin with Ben. My favourite line is in the porn film that Jake's watching. Mm. The presenter says, what happens when you get hot? And then he says, <laughs> Oh, it makes me want to come. The presenter says, it makes you want to come? Well, while you're coming, Linda, we'll watch this clip. <laughs> what is that show? It's like the kind of shows you used to get on Channel 5 back in the launch days, or like Euro Trash or something. It's like a porn version of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> and Craig, favourite lines of dialogue? Jake is with Sam at the bar, lamenting the way his life has gone. Mm. And he's talking about catching his girlfriend with another man. (laughs) Her face was glowing. And (laughs) Sam says, how do you get a woman's face to glow? I got 16 years of good humping. Not even once did I get a glimmer, let alone a glow. (laughs) Crazy. There's another bit that I love, which I can't remember exactly what he says. I think I can paraphrase it. But what I love about it isn't the line so much. 
it's a good line it's quite funny but it's the way that he delivers it and it's when he's practicing the phone call that he's going to leave an answer message for gloria and he just really sounds like jimmy stewart when he's doing it oh yeah i don't know if you remember me uh you almost <laughs> fucked <laughs> yeah. and i could just picture jimmy stewart doing it and it just made me laugh loads. <laughs> oh jeez. We almost fucked. Uh, say, I, I don't know if you remember oh. me, but. Uh... <laughs> and. Cinemaster. My favourite line is when you've got the, the classic cop interrogating him in the, mm-hmm. the house after the murder, and he just says, Rich wives get dead. I usually go after the husbands. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> it's just like such a classic, like, silly cop thing to say, isn't it? Yeah. Not wrong, though. Yeah. It's usually the heavy or the partner. My favourite line is from when Jake goes to audition to be in the porno and he walks past several other porn actors and one fella is heard just saying, I'm not just a stunt cock, I'm an actor. actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Made me laugh. I'm surprised no one picked the, the line when Holly and Jake are having a drink and Jake says, what can I get you? And Holly goes, how about Jake Scully? Straight up. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's a great That's line. That's a good one as well. <laughs> oh, I would like to um, bring back a occasionally returning feature of um, name I spotted in the credits. Ida Ooh. Random. Ida Random? No. Oh, okay. That's the one I spotted. <laughs> good name. It was Key Grip, Emmett Brown. Great Scott! <laughs> oh, <well>. <laughs> Just a year before he goes back in time. Yeah. <laughs> Is now a good time to share my joke? <laughs> Go. Okay, my body is ready. My body double is ready. Ben's joke about the film. Film, 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 film. I'll add the echoing post. <laughs> what do famous actors use for their shelving needs? I don't know. What do famous actors use for their yeah, shelving, yeah, shelving needs? needs. Shelving needs. Hollywood. <laughs> Mm. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a play on the yeah. place and the kind of wood. Oh yeah, the place. Think about it. Uh, <laughs> think about it. I'll, I'll let it. I'll let it percolate. Uh, In Body Double, Sam installs Jake into what he says is the apartment of a vacationing friend when he falls upon hard times. He shows him the minibar, the rotating bed, and the telescope that can be used to spy upon the neighbour across the way as she does a sexy dance each night before having a quick diddle. What Jake doesn't know is that Sam plans to dress in disguise as a freaky-looking Indian in order to rob the hidden safe in Gloria's boudoir. Jake is to be the alibi that swerves all suspicion away from Sam. But what did we think of Sam's evil scheme? Let us begin with the Cinemaster. Well, I think it was a pretty devious, perhaps unnecessarily complex plot to bump off his missus. But I understand why he did it as well, because... As I said, my my favourite line was the cop saying, we usually go after the husband. So I think he had to make it deliberately convoluted and he, he was just biding his time and he wasn't in a rush. So yeah, hats off to him. It was um, 
pretty wicked, but it was just the fact that obviously Jake loves a bit of porn that was his downfall in. It's been the downfall of many a man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Ben? I totally agree with the cinemaster there. It's a very devious scheme. I think he even laid a a lovely trail of breadcrumbs by having the the Indian up on that tower looking in through the window because he knew Jake would spot him. So he didn't just come out of nowhere. It was this kind of character looming large in, in Jake's mind. A lot of twists, a lot of turns, set Jake up like a, did him up like a kipper. So I'm giving him <laughs> 11 florets of broccoli. Ooh, that's good. That's a solid yeah. broccoli score. It's very good. And Craig, what do you think of Sam's evil scheme? It doesn't hold up to real world scrutiny, does it? Like, <laughs> is Alan real? Does Alan, whose apartment is that intriguingly hideous apartment? <laughs> Who's is it? Is it Alex's apartment? Mm-hmm. If it is, wouldn't the police be suspicious about that? He's got an apartment that overlooks his own house. And if it's not, how does he know Alan? He's not an actor, but he keeps going to all these auditions. Hmm. And Jake explains, oh, he was he was auditioning me for the role of witness, but he took that a bit literally, didn't he? Specifically hmm. looking for an actor to do it. He could have got anyone to do it. <laughs> so, so it doesn't hold up to any kind of real world scrutiny. But as a movie plot, I just think it's brilliant. It's so ridiculous and fun and delicious so i'm a fan of it although i can't see it working in any kind of real scenario (laughs) yeah i'd go along with that it's it's deliciously convoluted yeah Yeah. i bet de palma and his co-writer were cackling as they were coming coming up with this uh evil scheme Yes. It's funny as fuck that he uses a drill that's plugged into the wall that oh becomes unplugged when he moves away from the wall. It's hilarious. In the the most chronically slow time ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the Austin Powers with the steamroller coming towards yeah. him, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question for you. He makes a point of stealing Gloria's key card mm. on the beach. Mm. How the hell does Holly Body get in the house before that? He must have let her in, right? And where is Gloria at that point? Yeah, yeah that's what I don't know. Where is Gloria? Mm, Why is she out yeah. of town for some reason? They don't explain it, I don't think. No. no, she's just out of the way. But it's kind of insinuated that she's having an affair, maybe, isn't it? Because when Jake's tailing her and he's pretending to be on the phone next to her, she's speaking to somebody in quite an intimate way. Oh, he hit me again. Oh, I can't wait to see you. Seems like she's got another lover. I see. Maybe that's the reason he wanted to kill her, and that's why she wasn't in. Mm. Yeah, good point. Mm. Bit of trivia that I didn't know is one of my things I was Googling. Brian De Palma yeah. has been married to both Nancy Allen and Gail Ann Hurd. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know either of those people. Yeah. Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen's in Robocop. And Gail Ann Hurd's yeah, a yeah. super-duper producer. Produced Terminator. Yep. The guy who gets the robot head. <laughs> yeah, that's Nancy Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Nancy. Yeah, yeah, she's a good-looking one. Nancy Allen's the guy with the TV in his stomach who has to put canisters of drugs. To... Oh yeah, some of the Teletubbies. <laughs> <laughs> Peril pals, we should like to thank you very much for listening to our show so far. But do remember. If you like what you hear each week, please subscribe, leave us a written review and follow us on Apple Podcasts if you're on there. It is the best platform to help us grow the podcast and you, Peril Pals, are an important part of that process. If you aren't on Apple, rate us on your provider of choice and follow us on socials 
at DiabolicalPod. And now we come to the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for precious peril points on the perilous leaderboard. Each member gets one vote, which will equal one point on the board. But do remember, you cannot vote for yourself, you saucy babies. Our task this week is to manufacture an alibi for the robbery slash murder of Gloria, ideally utilising Jake. So, let's do this! Let's begin with... Hmm. Ben. Sam and Jake arrive at the Space Needle house. I need a big stiffy, says Sam, <laughs> pouring himself a bourbon. Jake's brow furrows. I'm not that kind of actor, he says. <laughs> no, that's what I call a stiff drink for short, clarifies Sam. I call it a stiffy because I don't always <laughs> want to say stiff drink in full. So I just say stiffy, or sometimes big stiffy, instead of stiff drink. Stiffy. Jake nods solemnly. In that case, make mine a double big stiffy. (laughs) The two new buddies drink until the wee small hours. After Jake has had his fill of bad-mouthing his ex, Sam sympathises and tells him that he needs to get back on the horse as soon as possible. He tells Jake about a beautiful and very accommodating woman who lives nearby. A real wildcat who's into some real kinky stuff. She would be perfect for him. It takes little persuading to convince drunken, heartbroken Jake that this is a good idea. And after several more big stiffies, Sam fake calls a woman to confirm the sexy rendezvous. One more stiffy before we go, asks Sam, placing down the receiver. Children. As he pours the drink, Sam slips a roofie in Jake's glass. To Hollywood, they say in unison, before downing their big stiffies. (laughs) Sam stalls for a few minutes by telling Jake he needs a poo. Jake thinks this might be another of Sam's funny nicknames for something, but it isn't. When Sam finally emerges from the loo, Jake is starting to look unsteady on his feet. Sam leads him down to the car and drives about a bit until Jake passes out. Sam parks somewhere quiet and fetches the gimp suit and lube he prepared earlier from the trunk. (laughs) Thanks to the thick, slick hyperlube available at all good lube outlets, Sam gets Jake into the gimp suit in no time flat. He then takes Jake to his wife's house, leaving him in the car while he murder robs her. Once the deed is done, he gets Jake and places him in bed with the corpse, making sure to smother the gimp suit liberally in blood. He then leaves. The next morning, Jake wakes up and has a bit of a freak out, which is somewhat justifiable given the corpse and the gimp suit situation. Gasping, he tears off the mask and sits up in bed. He tries to piece together the events of the previous evening. He remembers getting in the car with Sam to visit his lady friend, but little after that. He stares down at the horrible, constricting gimp mask. Then it dawns on him. What if drunk on all those lovely stiffies... (laughs) He agreed to put on the gimp suit for the woman, but it triggered a perfect storm of claustrophobia and pent-up rage of catching his girlfriend cheating, which then manifested as a violent episode. It's the only possible solution, he mutters aloud to himself. (laughs) Riddled with guilt, Jake calls the police and confesses to the crime. He's given a lesser charge of manslaughter and is sentenced to eight years, out in five with good behaviour. And Sam? He pours himself a big stiffy, 
and decides <laughs> that dressing as a Native American is not a good look for a man with such Aryan features. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's a lot of circumstantial evidence, isn't it? They're not going to find any evidence that he had sex with her because he was passed out, no semen. They're not going to find any evidence that he killed her, just blood on him. And they're still going to have that detective who always looks to the husband first, and Sam is still her husband, so what happens when, when he comes Sam into... isn't her husband, though, is it? Isn't it someone called yeah. Alan? Alex, no. and it is Sam. Alex. That is him. Sam. Yeah. yeah, but he's not really Sam, is he? So Jake's going to give the story of this guy, Sam. Yeah, but at some point he's going to see him, isn't he, in court? Or something, and he's going to go. Hang on, that's that's Sam, and he'll just say, "No, I'm Alex." <laughs> <laughs> Look okay. at my ID. <laughs> <laughs> Look over there. <laughs> the point I'm I'm going with there is that I think Jake, by his nature, would own up to it. He spills his guts yeah. to the police as it is, so yeah. I think he would put two and two together in his own mind, and then come up with five. <laughs> Well, he'd say, you know, I don't remember, wouldn't he, or something. And, uh, you know, the fact is, there could always be three people in the bed, couldn't there? So that does happen, I've heard. And the little one said, roll over, roll over. Exactly, exactly. Wake up with blood on you in someone's bed. You don't remember what happened. Could be that the other dude that you pound your lady with is the culprit. (laughs) The actual stiffy. And what it doesn't do, crucially for me, is it does not provide Alex slash Sam with an alibi. Well, I suppose the point is he doesn't need it because Jake's confessed. Okay. Okay. But they're all good points. I'll uh, I'll use them to modify my plan for when I really do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good practice, isn't it? It's good practice. Yeah. It's just a dry run for me, this. I did like your um, use of drugging and getting Jake drunk, which uh, may also feature in my plan. He does like drinking. Oh, he, he likes a drink. Keep him coming. Give me a big stiffy. Who doesn't like a big stiffy? Just give me the damn bottle, you son of a bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. <laughs> See, he's got violent tendencies and he knows the alcohol isn't his best look. Yeah. Next, please. Let's go for the Cinemaster. After showing Jake his house on stilts and the sexy dancing lady across the street, Sam lets the very creepy Jake settle in. A couple of nights later, Sam shows up to check up on him before he says he has to go out of town. They have a few drinks together and he gets Jake very drunk and Sam spikes him. Using his makeup master of disguise skills, Sam takes a mould of his face while he's asleep. (laughs) In the morning, Sam tells Jake he's going to visit his gran out of town. His gran is fairly senile, so he needs to see her before she snuffs it. Sam calls Jake and pretends he's a friend of Sam's, offering him a casting position for a new role that takes him to the far side of town to an empty building. Jake, already down on his luck and none the wiser to the deception, is eager for any opportunity. Secretly, Sam is already in the house he shares with Gloria, and has made the call from there. When Jake returns, he spies again and sees Gloria has apparently collapsed. He rushes over, and when he enters the house, he sees that she's already dead, so he can no longer spy on her or weirdly start to neck on with her at the beach. (laughs) That is the downside of dead bodies. Yeah, that's it. You can't neck on with them anymore. It's terrible. (laughs) He can, but it's a bit weird. 
When the cops get there, after receiving a call about a disturbance, they find Jake there and obviously suspect him. Jake tells them his story about spying on her and the call to fake casting, but he had no part in Gloria's murder. The cops trace the call he received back to Gloria's house. The cops surmise that in fact Gloria called Jake to break off the affair. He got mad and he killed her. They also hear of somebody matching Jake's description, Sam using a mask of Jake's face, driving around in Gloria's car, trying to pick up hookers, but being very rude to them earlier that night. (laughs) They already know that Jake is some kind of creepy, down-on-his-luck weirdo. Therefore, he is the prime suspect. Finito. Very good. Hmm. I mean, Brian De Palma introduced the... uh face masks to the Mission Impossible movie series. <laughs> right. The believable ones. <laughs> Is that Indian mask believable, though? Oh, no. Not at all. Because you can tell that it's Sam, can't you? So would you not be able to tell that it's Sam with a Jake mask on? No, because he's just sat in the car driving around and they just sort of get a, a, a rough estimate of what he looks like sort of thing. Yeah, and he makes a cast of his face as well, you said. So that's a bit different to just applying makeup, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he takes a he takes a mould of his face. So that's why he drugs yeah. him to knock him out. Takes a mould of his face and then makes a, a mask for him just to make sure it all ties it up together. And I don't want to tar all hookers with the same brush, but a lot of them are <laughs> drug users, so they'll yeah. have a, a very hazy memory of it. In any case, it'd be very easy to deceive them. That mm-hmm. does happen in a lot of police shows. I, I know that. What's the point of him offering him this fake role? He could call him for anything, couldn't he? It's basically to get him away from the house and then he can bump off his wife. Uh, and when he comes back, she's already dead. I missed the part where he went to the audition. I thought he just called him and then he looked across the street. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, he, he calls him. He would have said, go to this address and it's on the far side of town. Uh, okay. And he goes there, it's empty. But of course, it's like, oh yeah, I've just been to town and I got stood up for a casting. Oh yeah, bollocks. And the phone call came from the house, which is like, oh, fuck, it's her calling him. And he couldn't have sex with her, so he's bumped her off and then gone to find some hookers and then returned to the scene of the crime and then, like that, so many killers do, and he's done himself in. My only question would be, when Sam leaves Jake at the house the first time yeah, and then goes away, but then comes mm-hmm. back and says he's going to see his gran, what does he say he's going away for the first time to leave Jake? He just does does like in the in the film he goes away, doesn't he? And then there's things going on there. Um, so he goes away for a role first. Yeah, and then he just comes back okay. after he's settled him, and Jake's had a chance to perv on her and do all right. the, the neck, you know, whatever he wants to do with her. Okay, yeah, makes sense. So why does Jake become obsessed with Gloria in this version if Holly's not over there masturbating? Oh, it, there's there's all that as well, yeah. Oh, that's happening too? Yeah, yeah. And then he comes back and he says, right, you all right? And then they get pissed together. Like, I think they do in the film, don't they, as well? They get pissed together. Then he goes, right, he's obsessed with with her now. And he's like, oh, yeah, you've seen her, have you? Blah, 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 and all that. That's when he, he spikes him, makes the mask, and then the rest transpires. I mean, it's a bit dastardly, isn't it? He's At least in the film... He's using Jake as a, an alibi and a witness, and it's horrible. But in this, he's condemning him. Oh, yeah. And, and in yours. Yeah. I think Jake deserves it. He's a wet lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute drip, isn't he? Okay. Get him off the streets. I just feel like, although he obviously <laughs> kills his wife in quite a horrible way, Sam seems like a nice guy to me. He's, he's quite nice to Jake. <laughs> Takes him for a drink, pulls him out of that stupid, horrible 
acting class that he's in looks after him, gives him a nice place to stay. And he's got mm. no ulterior motives whatsoever. No. <laughs> Everybody's got good and bad points, haven't they? I just mean he's quite affable. You know, he wants to kill his wife, but we don't know why. He, she might have done something really horrible to him. Yeah, but then he wants to bump off Holly as well later on, doesn't he? And he's just happy to bury her alive. <laughs> yeah, how quickly did he dig that hole? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's really deep as well, isn't it? Big guy, isn't he? Maybe he dug it ahead of time because he knew what was coming. Got the dog doing it as well. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, let us move on to Craig's plan. Sam stares straight ahead at the white tiled wall just a few inches from his nose. He hunches his shoulders, rears up on tiptoes and clears his throat. His eyes drift down and to the left to catch just a glimpse. He sees enough to know that the penis of the man standing next to him at the urinal is a good two to three inches longer than his own and far more slender. (laughs) Sam's eyes drift up to meet the other man's wary gaze. Sam flashes him a quick smile and raises his eyebrows before zipping himself up and walking away. The long search for his identical penis twin continues. <laughs> Over the next few weeks, he steals a glimpse of every other man's penis he can, giving out free hand jobs, working as a doctor, the usual stuff. <laughs> Once he inevitably finds his identical penis twin, Conrad Nussbaum, it's a cinch to convince the guy to get matching knob tats. <laughs> It's a cinch to convince the guy to get matching knob tats. After all, they're cock bros. They steer clear of things like Marvin the Martian that most men probably have tattooed on their member. (laughs) And go for something distinctive and unique. The opening lyrics to Joe Fagan's theme from Alveda's Aim Pet, That's Living Alright, in a speech bubble... Coming from the mouth of Michael Caine's character from Educating Rita, holding a gun. (laughs) Shortly thereafter, Sam meets Jake and sets him up in the apartment. And it's only natural that before long, they're showing each other their dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Working on the site from morning till night, reads Jake in a slightly confused tone. That's living all right replies Sam, beaming and laughing raucously. <laughs> Welp, he says, I gotta go make a porno under my stage name, Johnny Nutseed. Hope you'll give it a watch for me. I'll be wearing a werewolf mask, but you'll recognize my penis. So long. <laughs> a few nights later, Jake witnesses Gloria's murder. She wasn't dancing or anything, but he'd gotten used to spying on her anyway after Sam pointed her out and mentioned he'd sometimes seen her eating pickled eggs in the nude. In spite of Jake's witness testimony, the police soon take Gloria's husband in for questioning. Jake is understandably suspicious about the subterfuge when he recognises Gloria's husband. Why did he use a fake name and encourage a stranger to perv on his wife? But Sam slash Alex explains that he was worried his wife was having an affair with a man in an unconvincing wig and makeup, so wanted Jake (laughs) to keep tabs on her while he was away shooting his porno. The porno! exclaims Jake. That'll prove your innocence! Huh? says Sam, playing dumb. Jake excitedly returns from the video store with the tape and some sandwiches and then sits down to enjoy the fuck show with Sam and the police. (laughs) They all get a good look at Sam's penis and they're more than satisfied that he has a rock-solid alibi. 
After all, <laughs> nobody has ever seen Johnny Nutseed without his werewolf mask on. <laughs> there can't be any questions for something that foolproof, oh, surely. Identical penis twin. <laughs> Watertight. Crazy. His very distinctive penis is seen on screen. How else could it have been there? Is he also a similar physical stature? Yeah. He's got quite a distinctive physical uh, stature, hasn't he, um, Greg Henry? Stands to reason that his identical penis twin is going to share other physical traits with him. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's just science. They're mostly close-ups on the cock, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Going in, then out, then in again. It's not a prestige porno. Right? Then out again, then in, <laughs> then out. <laughs> I was worried that Avida Same Pet, the theme tune to that, wasn't released in 84, but oh, it, sure was. It, was, it hit the charts in 84. Oh. So, well played. <laughs> Craig's not going to miss a detail like that. No, no. I didn't realise it was so big in America, though. <laughs> it's not. That's why it's so distinctive. That was uh, half the point. Otherwise, everyone would have it tattooed on the knob. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Almost everyone's got Marvin the Martian or something like that tattooed yeah. on their penis. But one guy in, in a billion is going to have... Michael Caine's character from Educating Rita holding a gun and singing the lyrics to the theme from Afi, the same pet, tattooed on his dick. <laughs> Probably the police were like, that's his dick, all right. Sam hasn't said anything, but his is out on the table while they're watching it, right? Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I told you. He just raises an eyebrow. That's just yeah. what happens when you get taken in by the police. Drop your trousers, scare look at it. Yeah. It's like a version of fingerprinting. Got to roll it in ink and push it on <laughs> the paper. <laughs> Smush it yeah. on. Every penis is unique. <laughs> I suppose it's kind of like Penn and Teller's bullet catching trick, isn't it? Where they get people to sign mm. the bullet first so it's unique. It's yeah. kind of, kind of a, a sexy variation on that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Funny because for Jaws last week, I did a magic themed plan as well. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I've got magic on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> what I've been watching is The Masked Magician with Skinner. What's his name? Mitch Pileggi. Oh, from X Files. Mitch Pileggi. His narration of The Masked Magician is so sexual that you can't help but think about tattooed penises while you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it's, a, if it's an escape trick from a fish tank, he'll say, Here's the masked magician's assistant. She looks kind of wet, doesn't she? <laughs> My kind of assistant. Naughty. Watches the mass magician splits her in half. I mean, saws her in half. It's, it's very sexual show. If I had an assistant like her, I'd make my cock disappear <laughs> inside her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Any more questions? Was Craig inspired by Joey's hand twin? From, from friends. friends. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> but yeah. then it went so far off into the wild that <laughs> I was like, well, maybe not. Then I shall... Round us out. Ali, short for Alistair, as in Stuart. Bi, short for bisexual, as in Cardi B. Put them together, and what do you get? Alibi. Alibi. Yes, that's right. Someone named Alistair who is bisexual. Alibi. <laughs> This is the man whom Sam should employ to lure Jake to the borrowed apartment and show him the telescope as in the film. The person he sees when he looks, however, will be Sam, dressed as Gloria, complete with a glorious set of fake titties, luscious wig and sumptuous negligee. This would eliminate the need to sneak into the apartment at a later time dressed as an Indian. He can simply take the stuff out of the safe once he gets the signal of a flashing light from Alistair. 
Gloria can be killed beforehand, afterwards, whenever really, in that little carport bit. You know, that little <laughs> carport bit. <laughs> Jesus, that was succinct. Yeah, what I did, I had my alibi joke at the start. <laughs> And then that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot of substance there. Having said that, though, killing her at an earlier date and having him convinced that she's still alive is about as good as an alibi can get. How? Because when the police come to question him and he'll say, I saw her in the apartment on such yeah, and such a night. But, but if they say, what she look like? You know, look like a bloke with like fake tits and... <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Gaza? <laughs> Paul Gaza Gaskell. Haven't we already mentioned this on another episode with <laughs> yeah. Gaza? Have we? Yeah, Le Chief. Gaz brings fake tits into his plans quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but imagine like an episode of Columbo, like you said. So you kill her at an earlier date, yep. but then when the police question you and you say, I saw her alive in the apartment on that night, you know, forgetting how convincing the makeup and dress is from a, that distance... That could kind of work, couldn't it? Yeah, but why Why would the police even go to Jake for that reason? Like, she's dead much earlier. It's not Jake anyway, is it? Is it just Sam, wasn't it? Sam was dressed as his wife. Yeah, but yeah. the, yeah, the but... question, Jake, we mean. Yeah. And then the guy I was watching was that I alibi think he would come guy. forward, Jake. To say that he'd seen the robbery. But he hadn't. He'd just seen a naked woman. No, just to say that he'd seen her alive at this time. They, the police would put out an appeal for information, as sometimes ah, okay. happens. And he would say, well, I saw her alive on this date and she was very, very sexy. Very ladylike, <laughs> very sexy. I mean, I think I've just solved the whole thing anyway. Why doesn't Sam just kill his wife earlier and then just bury her? Because then she'd be missing person. But it's only if they find the body that there's a murder inquiry, right? Yeah, but how would they not find it? Bury it? It'd be a missing persons inquiry, though, wouldn't it? If she's missed, though. By who? Well, by her lover. Yeah. So what, what's going to happen when she's dead and Sam's dancing in the apartment? Is Sam going to answer the phone? Yeah, it's going to be basically the same story as the film, then. He's going to become infatuated with her. And um, <laughs> he's going to carry on playing her, like going through the mall, trying on underwear and so forth. <laughs> And then throwing it in the bin after she bought it. And then it basically just plays out the same. What, so he he gets caught in the end? Nah, but then they get married and they live happily ever <laughs> And Jake never suspects. <laughs> Turns out Sam is the bisexual and Jake is the bisexual in Alibi. <laughs> ah, clever. Clever yeah. twist. <laughs> and once they're married, he can't testify against him slash her. Mm. Booyah. Checkmate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a misconception that, that uh, yeah. George Bluth makes? Yeah. <laughs> I've got the worst lawyer. <laughs> Those plans, if I'm not mistaken, were re-diabolical, weren't they? We had Ben's big stiffy plan. We had... The Cinemasters, uh, what is it? (laughs) The Cinemasters Jake Mask plan, Craig's matching penis tattoo plan, and my Alistair the Bisexual plan. But there can only be one or two or three or four people who get points on the board. So with that, if we could all cast our votes, please. Who did you vote for, Cinemaster? 
Well, I like the cut of his jib because his jib is shaped like mine, uh, which is Ben. Oh, yeah. Very good. Ben, who did you vote for? Well, this is going to seem like mutual backscratching now, mm. but uh, it was because his plan was the most workable, I thought, and I voted for the Cinemaster. I like it. <laughs> and who, pray tell, did Craig vote for? Well, there were a couple of plans that had the same basic flaws, so I went for the one that took less time. Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And me being Gaz, I voted for... Ben. Oh. Yes. He's going to be catching up. Yeah, he's catching Finally. up. Finally. Finally. And with that, the scores after this round stand at, in joint first place, with 10 points mm. apiece, are Ooh. Craig and the Cinemaster. In third place, with seven points, is myself. And moving on up, but still in last place, with five points, is Ben. <laughs> Wow, mm. that's really put the scat amongst mm. the pigeons. Yes, <laughs> scat man John. I wasn't talking about that kind of scat. You're talking about <laughs> shit. You're talking about real no fooling shit. <laughs> that will do us for another dose of Monday magic. But we shall return for another set of scintillating schemes in seven days' time. The Cinemaster will be sitting in the hot seat with his choice of film. But what will it be? Well, folks, we're going to be going back to the wonderful realm of cinematic comic book adaptations and we'll be watching 2011's Green Lantern Mm. I've not seen it but it's got a (laughs) reputation doesn't it? It does have a reputation and we'll see if that reputation is deserved. Cinemaster you understand that life is finite don't you? Well, there we have it. Join us next week as we discuss Green Lantern, if you would be so bloody fucking kind. Too confrontational? Fuck you! Until then, remember, everything will be alright in the end, and if it isn't alright, then it isn't the end. I'm the scat man. Uh-uh, relax. Don't do it. When you won't get to it. Relax. Don't do it. When you wanna come. Relax. Don't do it. Pick your nose and chew it. Don't do it. Stick it up your bum. Finger up the bum. <laughs> down, down, down. Ow, ow, ow. Down, <laughs> down, down. Finger up the bum. Down, down. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Come. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Can you uh, just do like a vocal version of the voyeur music from Body Double with the rattle? Because I really like it.
Crrr. That's basically how it goes. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs>